Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Asian Americans. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying healthy in these challenging times. Welcome to episode 67 here on August 11th. And today, so, so, so excited to share my conversation with artist Alan Z. You've seen his videos go viral on Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok. And we sit down with Alan from Atlanta to talk to us about his career, what made him so passionate about learning hip-hop, and what he wants to do with the given talents that he has to make our community more engaged and more active in fighting and speaking up for what is right. I'm excited to share with you a few new developments here at Dear Asian Americans. One, we have a brand new website, so please do go check it out at DearAsianAmericans.com. You can browse through all the old episodes, figure out how you can subscribe, and learn a little bit about Just Like Media, our company behind the show. We're also very humbled and very excited to share with you that we launched a Patreon, and we humbly ask you for your support. Um, the show, while it has been an amazing and a passion for me to produce the last five months, it takes a little bit of time, it takes a little bit of money, and it takes a little bit of a group effort for all of us to uh, get these shows out to you. So if you want to help us in this journey so that we can continue to do what we do, uh, we'd be grateful, so grateful and humbled if you would consider joining us as a patron. And so the link to that you can be found also on our website. Uh, a couple more things. This week, we launched the Dear Asian Americans Business Challenge. We want to help small businesses out there owned by Asian and Asian Americans to help with any business challenge that you might be facing, uh, whether it is COVID-related or not. Uh, we want to be able to help come up with some innovative solutions to help your business move forward. And we want to do that by pairing you up with uh, a team of MBA students to help strategize and to uh, innovate towards new uh, solutions. So uh, details about the contest can be found on the website as well. Just look for the Business Challenge tab. We're opening up the applications until Sunday. So if you do want to participate, please do let us know through the application or reach out to me. Hello at theasianamericans.com. And one special announcement uh, from Just Like Media. Today we are launching a brand new show called MB Asians. And it is a show that was developed by two amazing summer interns that we had. Uh, Jacob Yu and Jay Park, who are both international MBA students studying at the Michigan Ross School of Business. And they have worked all summer so hard to produce and to come up with the show that really addresses the challenges, both academic, professional, uh, social, and cultural of some of our friends who are studying here uh, from Asia to earn their MBA degree. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just search MBA Asians. Uh, you can search us on Instagram as well and look for the links there. So I want to publicly thank Jay and Jacob uh, for all that they've done for us during the summer. Thank you. Again, head over to theeraisedamericans.com and you can navigate to everything that we just talked about. And so excited now to share with you my conversation with Alan. And after you're done, please do take a moment to check out his music. You can search him, just say Alan Z Music across all the social channels. Here's Alan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Asian Americans. Wherever you are, whenever you may be listening to this, uh, we wish you all the health, uh, safety, and happiness in the world. Can't believe it's August already and can't believe I'm still talking about COVID. Uh, feel like we should have gotten over it a long time ago. Um, but here we are. And where our guest is uh, joining us from today, um, we're seeing some really, really unfortunate news in terms of schools reopening and some of the impacts from a health perspective, uh, public health perspective that we're all dealing with. So uh, please, uh, wherever you are, just be safe. Uh, don't go out if you have to. Um, I haven't seen my parents in a few weeks now, and 
um, friends even longer than that. Um, all that can wait. And the further or the more that we do now, the faster we can get back to enjoying some of the things that bring us a lot of energy and passion and joy, which for me, and I'm sure for a lot of you, is music. And music is actually best enjoyed in person through a live performance. And that right now, we don't have that. The closest that we get is through Zoom concerts, which doesn't really have the quite same feeling, right? So um, our, our guest today, Alan Z, joining us from the ATL, just super excited. Um, I, I've seen him perform through Zoom uh, just over the weekend at um, Joy, Joy, Luck, uh, Joy Ruckus Club and um, been engaging with him quite a bit on Asian Creative Network. Uh, shout out to Hanju. And just it's been really inspiring to see him put out content that is not only artistic and amazing, but also is very timely and culturally relevant. So, hey, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. How have you been doing uh, the last few months? Um, you're an artist, and we just talked about, you know, just not quite the same, right? You get, yeah. you feed off of the energy of the crowd and the fans, and just it's even though music is could be a, a solo event, you and a microphone, you and a camera. Um, how has it been for you the last few months in, in dealing with the, you know, your your art and from the creative side? I'm not gonna lie to you. Like when COVID first hit, like it, it was really hard for me because I felt like um, I was seeing so much like anti-Asian like racism and hate crimes, and I felt like helpless because it's not like I can just like put on a mask and be Batman and start beating on racist <laughs> people, right? So it's like it's like what can you do? So at some point, I think that like the, the the radical militant side of me clicked, and I was like, well, I can use my music. I can I can reach people. I can educate. I can shed light. So that's what I started doing. And I think once I started uh doing less complaining and more like active work i think that kind of helped not only for me but like other people to, to feel like there's hope for the world you know so i think um it there, there's lows and, and highs like the lows would definitely be like not being able to see friends not being able to like perform travel not being able to like you know what i'm saying see, see like the world like safely but i think the highs are definitely like how do how do you make the shittiest situation work for you and for me I, i've learned it's like okay so as a human being there's a lot you can survive. <laughs> you think that you can't go on without social interaction, but then it's, or, you know, like face to face, but then it's like, you're met with this and it's like, you know, you know that you can endure and you know that there's a lot of life ahead of you once this is over, you know? I think that's such an amazing perspective, man. I, I think we've learned a lot this year. Um, you know, some of the things that I think I learned is not, not to belittle those things, but a lot of the things that we thought we once could not live without, we suddenly live without and life may not be perfect, but it goes on. Right. So, um, needs have turned into, Oh, it was a nice to have. Right. And, and, you know, not to, of course, there are concerns with mental health and uh, depression and loneliness. However, in the grand scheme of things, should we not be more concerned about people's physical aliveness, actual life, you know, versus, you know, some of the things. So, um, really appreciate that perspective, man. And I, I don't think you're alone. Um, you know, most recently over the weekend, uh, we saw, you know, Brooklyn rapper China Mac really engage, like just almost in a day, like an entire country of awareness and protesting and fighting for the grandmother who was, you know, really, really unfortunate, just really terrible, terrible acts um, against the grandma and like activating you know, calling on fellow Asian American artists and celebrities to at least have their voice 
uh, be heard. And and so, you know, we often talk about on the show about what is influence? How does one earn it? And then how do you use it? The platform that people graciously uh, honor us with and, and what are we actually going to do with it, I think is far more important than, again, some of these things that we thought were necessary for us to survive. And, you know, for some, it might be, you know, I have to have a, a some sort of food or some sort of experience to keep me going. But, you know, from a grand life and global perspective, maybe it's okay that we prioritize some other more important things in, in, in the meantime. Um, again, love what you're doing. Love your music. Very curious to learn where it all came from. Uh, let's talk about Alan from around the time he was born. Where were you born? And, and tell me about the way that you've made your way into the States, into Alan becoming a Chinese-American person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was born in China. And um, I think I was just a person of circumstance because um, I, was a, I was a very sick kid, right? So um, I had very um, severe like asthma reactions towards like the pollution in China. Mm -hmm. So um, my parents wanted to find a way for me to go abroad just so I can like survive pretty much. So we, we moved to England when I was four and then like my, my like health issues just cleared up and I was like, oh, okay. So he's not like, you know, he can live. And then uh, we're like, well, you know what? Let's go back to China and see if he's better. I didn't get better. <laughs> so we, we traveled abroad again. We went to Singapore and I was fine. And then we went back to China. It was like, okay, he's, he's fine now. And then I was not fine. Uh, so they're like, all right, fuck it. Let's just move to, let's just go again. Because like my dad was getting a lot of different job offers, like from, you know, different places. And so we moved mm -hmm. to America when I was six. And uh, the first place was Maryland. And it was a black and Latino neighborhood. And that's kind of like where I discovered like hip hop, that like the lingo and just like I picked up on, on a lot. And I also picked up what racism was. That was like the first instance. It's like first grade. It's like getting singled out for the first time. Right. Like, you know, the, the slanted eyes, the, um, the ching chong, like just people constantly berating you for just being different. And um, I don't know that that uh, I think that became this lifelong like question is like why do people treat me so differently and i'm sure you can attest to this too so i think um that kind of strengthened my resolve and also like my appreciation for for something like hip-hop because the first rapper i, I loved was eminem because it was like he's white got bullied for being white <laughs> and so i related to that it's like not not being white but just the, the being the outsider and then i started through him i started discovering like other rappers you know like um mm. rakim Nas, jay-z tupac big daddy kane you know big pun and like I think it just was like this rabbit hole, right? Like the way that like kids liked anime and comic books was how I liked hip hop. So like I would compare like my favorite rappers to like superheroes, you know, because that's how I saw them. Like their discography was like, you know, like their weapon of choice. And um, for me, it was like hip hop was like the coolest thing in the world. You know, it was like almost like a kid watching like his, I don't know, like like if, if a kid wanted to be Batman, I wanted to be like Eminem. I wanted to be Nas. So at 12, I started rapping. And that wow. was when I moved to, uh, well, I mean, I was, I was in Seattle at that time. And like, it was a very white uh, place and the kids were just ruthless, man. Like, cause they were like, what's an Asian kid gonna do rapping? Like, they're like, oh, you can't do this. You're not allowed. And they're white people saying this. They're not allowed either. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> they wanted to pick on me. And so the bullying got really bad. But it, again, I just, I love the art so much that um, I was like, I'm gonna make something of myself one day. And so I was like, I'm not gonna fight it in Seattle. So like I just uh, I started applying to colleges elsewhere. So I applied to like New York, Atlanta, 
pretty much anywhere where hip hop was big, I was like, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna go to <laughs> anywhere where hip hop was like a thing, I'm gonna apply so I can kind of be around the, the scene. And so I got into both uh, NYU and Emory and Emory mm -hmm. gave me a, a bigger grant. So that's where I went. And, and like my world opened up, you know, it's like, this is like a, you know, it's a black city and like the kids were just like, oh, this Asian dude, he's really good at rapping. Cause I, first year of a uh, freshman year, like I, I entered like a rap battle tournament and I won. So like all the black kids at school was like, oh my God, this is, he's, you know, God, like, you know, Jim, it's, it's like him, but whatever. And then, so that <laughs> I created a buzz for myself, just, just right. doing what I loved. And I was like, okay, the world is, is a lot different than what I thought. It was like, if you can, if you're, if you find, you know, your, your place in the world, like, you know, you can, you can do good things, you know? Man, there's so much to unpack just there, man. I, I think it's, I mean, props to your parents, right? Um, they, they sacrificed, they prioritized you. Um, I counted four countries, which ain't easy. Um, you know, four new beginnings, five new cities. Um, and I think it really speaks to the love and sacrifice of our parents that sometimes we recognize or, um, don't want to admit at times just because, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have complex relationships with all of our parents. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, pro props to them and. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're very proud of, of, of the man that, you know, they raised. Um, but I think even just your insight at age 12 and, you know, hip hop, you're right. I, I think growing up, um, hip hop was definitely an influence for a lot of Asian American kids. Um, you know, I don't know how other people categorize music, but, you know, at least growing up as a Korean American kid in L.A. and New York City, it was like you had, you know, you had K-pop then you had hip hop. And then he had white music yep. and we, we even called it white music. Right. Like, and it was yep. just like, you know, um, I don't know, whoever was popular back then. Right. Like green day, though, that mm. sort of, you know, genre. Yep. And it was just like, but hip hop had its own category. And I think, you know, I don't know what actually, you know, in our youth sort of what drew us to it, but it definitely had a cool factor. Right. And, um, pre-social media, pre-Instagram, like the only visualization we got of these guys was their music videos. And, you know, we had no idea all that stuff was rented, but it was just like <laughs> this lifestyle and this like, you know, they just seemed cool, right? Yep. And and yep. so, but it was also in a way, like as you mentioned, Alan, like it was sort of the unifier of cultures that if you, you know, because um, early rap too, uh, it was, it, it spoke to some socio-political movements and frustrations of an entire culture and a people. And, and that's sort of how it was born. So um, I, I do see a lot of parallels. And I think if you take even, you know, um, actual music from Asia way back when, right? What are they? It's a combination of beats and words. What is hip hop? It's a combination of beats and words. So um, it's, it's good to see, I think you have that early uh, realization. Um, tell me more about, you wanting and knowing that even at age 12, you wanted uh, hip hop and rap and your music to be a very large part of your career and yet still being determined to follow in the traditional footsteps of prioritizing education. Um, you know, you mentioned that you went to Emory and got into NYU and, and those are not places that, you know, anybody, just anybody can get into. So, you know, academics obviously must have been a priority for you and you excelled at it in high school. Um, was was music always your primary objective and call it something that you felt like you needed to check off the box due to expectations? Or how did you balance that as you prioritize what you wanted to do through your early years? Yeah, 
um well, i mean my parents didn't like approve of like my career path at, at 12 right i, I put in quotations because i was not a, i was not a career rapper at 12 years old but uh I, I i was dumb and i told them i was like you know i'm gonna drop out and, and just be a rapper and they were like we're, we don't we don't want you as a son <laughs> i didn't say that but they were just very disappointed and i think the older i got the more i realized like even if i think this is gonna be what like i'm gonna do full-time i still need to honor like my parents and, and like right. and get like you said, like the checklist, right? The bucket list. I think it was really important for me to get that career, uh, not career, but like that that life um, checklist, the bucket list to say I went to college, I got that bachelor's, so that no matter what, I can always fall back and and, and you know yeah. do something with it. And um, I think I think for me, like it it was like my, once I was able to get into college and like do a lot of things, um, you know, away from like Seattle. And I was showing my parents like that I was um, able to like actually make moves, like tangible moves, like where record labels are hitting me up and like I'm, I'm winning like, you know, competitions and like all these things. It's like the receipts, right? Then then they started to believe that this was possible. And I think for me, the older I got, the more I realized that like this idea, like you t- like we talked about earlier about like the, the BETs and MTV like music videos. It's it's a lifestyle, but it's a, a lifestyle sold to you. It's not this is it's not like real life. Like you said, like the chains are rented, the cars are rented, the mansion definitely rented. So it was like I started to understand more so about like how this is all smoke and mirrors. Like like the pre- presentation, the the fame, because I learned about like this idea yeah. of fame. It's like I chased it for a very long time. And it's like once I stopped chasing it, it came to me. Cause I felt like right. it's just, I mean, this is, I feel like the entertainment industry is just like a big ass high school. You know, it's like, who's the most popular kid? Who's <laughs> fucking a cheerleader. It's just all this social political, you know, like mind fuck. And so once you start breaking it down like that and then stop making it like bigger than it is, you start being able to mm-hmm. kind of see it for what it is and start, you know, taking your career the same way you would take like, um, like a career path in the corporate world, you know, taking it like, like a business, you know? So, right. What would you tell your younger self? And let's also add, if we have listeners who are in high school or anybody who is trying to balance education versus passion, and for you, it was music, and for others, it might be starting a digital business or content creating or whatever, especially in 2020 when, you know, nobody's going, actually, most colleges aren't doing full-time in-person. So it presents this weird opportunity whether you take a gap year or not to put a pause on traditional education. Um, it's might be, might be hell for like our, our parents right now, right? Like we're Asian parents, like, you know, what do you mean school's not in session or like, you know, school's <laughs> weird um, with all this other opportunity that, you know, the internet provides for you. Um, what are some advice, you know, what, what are some advice that you have uh, for younger folks? Because you finished school at an elite institution um, you know, I had similar conversations with a dear friend of yours and mine, Jason, who also went to an elite institution, finished his degree, and yet is now pursuing music more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did you balance it? How would you have done it differently? And what are some tips and advice that you might have to younger folks? So the way I balanced it was just having, I guess, discipline. Because it's like for me, I've no matter what 
I did. I I knew that like you know my education was like priority because it was like I, I can't fail my parents. If I if I fail, then I felt like I failed them. You know, it's, I think it's that kind of guilt <laughs> that we kind of it's like built in us. So for me, it was like okay, I got I got to really do well in my studies, and it's like I think the good thing about going to an, a, a really like high level institution like like Emory is like everyone around you holds you accountable. Everyone's super smart, so it's like. It's not like high school. It's like where people are just like, yeah, I want to be cool and look stupid. It's like, no, people are smart. And, and if you look stupid, they're going to clown you. And I, I love that. It was like now I'm around kids that are competitive and not in the, not just in the sense of like who's the biggest jock, but like who's, who's fucking smart. And I really like that environment because it pushed me to really embrace uh, just being uh, someone who's of high intellect. Because I think in high school, I, I hid that a lot because – you know, kids were just like, oh, how can you want to be a rapper, but you're like super smart? Like, how can you be a nerd? And, and, and I think that always bothered me. It's like I had to like hide the fact that I like reading books and learning, you know, it's like mm-hmm. had a big vocabulary. I had to hide that. But then it's like now because it's, it's like a like a college, people expect you to, to excel. So right. I think the balance comes with which is having discipline. Right. It's just being like, OK, well, I want to I want to be like a super famous artist. But I also know that I have, I have shit I got to do in between that time so let me finish this so i think the thing that i would like to tell younger people is not to not to chase the pipe dream but chase like the the um the path made for you right like chase the Mm. the passion because i feel like i remember there's like there were kids that hit me up and they were like alan you know i see you do your thing like i'm thinking of dropping out of college i'm thinking of dropping high school to pursue music and i I don't want them to do that but at the same time i'm not their parents i can't hold that hand and be like so, and, and I, I only thing I can say is, you know, go for it, but I hope that, you know, you have a backup plan and, and it sucks because it's like nine times out of 10, it's like, yo, like if you don't get picked up by a big label or you go viral, it's very hard to make a living. Right. right? And in the beginning years, that is. So I would just say like, yo, like have, have your ducks in, you know, have your ducks in one row and like, you know, be, know that you're financially stable before you, you make that jump, you know? Cause I think people can. I mean, capitalism can sell you a dream that isn't feasible, you know? <laughs> sure. And I, I think it's uh, a theme that you touched upon is like, it's not binary, right? It's 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 both. And how much those circles overlap in a Venn diagram is completely up to you. But, you know, um, it's not either school or rap guy, right? Like, it's <laughs> not either. It's not. You can do both. And, you know, and I think for, for all the aspiring creatives out there, whether you want you want to make music, you know, like Alan or make a podcast like we do. Like this is a business, right? Like you have to run it like a business. And the better understanding of life, people and business you have, the more successful your front career, the actual talent stuff is going to be. Because how do you get music into people's hands, right? You produce, um you put it onto platforms. Well, how do people find out about it? You got to market yourself. You got to, you know, really hype yourself and, and find the community of people that will support you. Um, and of course, when the money starts to come in, you have to learn to manage it and spend it wisely and invest properly. And, and so it's not, I think, you know, the, we joked earlier about like watching MTV and, and, and seeing this facade of greatness and facade of luxury that may have enticed many of us to want to live in that mansion or like drive that car we're living through the 2020 version of it, which is we see the folks on YouTube and on TikTok and on Instagram, and we only see the 15 seconds of the finished product. But 
if you actually sit them down and you go, how many hours did it take you to come up with that 15 seconds? It's countless hours. And I mean, brand deals are not easy. You, have, you know, it's, it's a business, right? So I, I think for folks to understand, like talent alone won't make you a successful mogul, right? Talent alone does not. And also now think about the other side on the other end of the spectrum. Think about all the people that you and I grew up with that were artists. They're making more money with less risk and making bigger moves behind the mic, right? Or behind the yeah, camera, sure. right? So don't you think that takes, you know, requires business education, not just the ability to create music? Like look at, look at Chameleonaire. He's probably like the biggest, best example. Like he left rap to be like a investor in Silicon Valley. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. 50 Cent had a, had a, uh, he, he had a saying, he was like, your real life starts when your rap career stops, you know? Mm. And basically it's like, you know, cause the more, the, the older I get, the more I realize it's like, you know, you, you gotta be able to not only like, um, sustain your, like not, not only like live off your talent because in right. the music industry, they'll tell you it's 10% talent and 90% business. So mm. it's like, when once you get into this game, you know that. You may be hot for like five to ten years max or whatever, right? right? And then it's like you got to figure out what the fuck you're gonna do after, you know, you're not you're not the pretty guy that girls like anymore, right? right. Like you got to figure out like what, which. So I think for me, that's something that I is the reason why I'm so big on personal branding, you know, as Alan right. Z, and also um, being someone who's very well versed in business because I think right. like, I mean, that's why I you know I, I do acting as well, and I you know I actually do like most of the admin work. In terms of like reaching out to people, like you know, and and producers and coordinators, because I feel like outside of your talent, which which can only sustain yourself for so long, like there's got to be right. life out, you know, ahead of that. Because hip hop, there is no four hundred one k, you know, they're not gonna give <laughs> you, you. get what I'm saying? It's like you, that's why people like they burn their money so fast and then they go broke. Right? right? It's like how do you go broke right. with a hundred million dollars? But it's like right. again, like we were talking about financial literacy. That's super important. You got to know like this money is not. They give you a black credit, like a black card. That doesn't mean that like you can spend that and then you have no, you know, it's like, it's just a right. bigger way for you to fuck yourself. So absolutely, a lot of it, what you just said is very credible. Like just knowing that this, this, um, to, to not feed into, into this facade, because it's like, you got to know your, your, your financial literacy. You got to know like how to market yourself, especially right. now. Right. So I think, um, one thing about the industry is, is like people can sniff out the naive likeness of, of an artist right so like they know who to fuck with and who to take seriously so mm. the best advice i can give is like yo like learn your shit now because once you get into the, the meetings that i've been into they're gonna test you and they're gonna see if you're green you know they're gonna see how right. much you know and how much they can get away with fucking you because they can give you a really shitty deal and then if you don't know what, what you're reading you're stuck right with, you know working for pennies right right i, I think look the, the people that um i grew up with listening as artists right Mm -hmm. uh, Puff Daddy, uh, Jay-Z, Chameleonaire, like they've made 50x, 100x more money doing what they do now, right? Like making big moves, behind the scene, quiet moves. You see that in athletes now, right? And, and there's a lot of overlap between physical talent and artistic talent. Mm. And then how are you going to leverage that going forward? Um, so let, let's talk about you. Like what is, what is Alan Z, the later chapters looking like? that you want, that you are hustling towards right now? What do you want to do beyond the music, beyond the, the mm. music and, you, and leave your legacy in this world? Well, I know for sure I want to be a bigger name than now. Like I want to be a household name as a, you know, as an artist, right? So, but I want to use that 
to leverage into other deals. So I want to be able to leverage that into Hollywood because I really want to act and, and represent for us, you know, and I want to leverage that into like bigger sponsorships, branding and, and you know, setting out my own production so I can help out other artists, you know, and, and um, produce like maybe like, you know, Asian American films that maybe never get greenlit. I would like to be behind some of those, you know, so there's, there's t- tons you can do if you have leverage and money. So that's what I'm working towards is, is um, being able to be credible enough to say, I'm Alan Z. I want this done. Do it now because otherwise, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. And then, and then they feel, you know, that they have to, because now I'm, I'm big enough to, to, to say that. So it's really working towards having those negotiation, negotiation, like, um, abilities. Right. So the, I, I would say the later years for me is just really being, uh, forced to be reckoned with like a really powerful personal brand and, uh, and businessman. I, I, I will say that, um, you're you're uh, well on your way, man. I, I think the way you carry yourself and the way you represent yourself in the public sphere, and um, not definitely not because it's popular, but knowing that you believe in the things that inspire you to create stuff, I think is really really inspirational. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you just said, which is being the voice, um, perhaps the engine and the inspiration to inspire more kids that look like me and you to thrive. Um, we obviously are an Asian American show. Um, we run a company that, you know, produces even more Asian American storytelling stuff. When we look at the market of available audiences, um, globally, United States doesn't matter, right? Like mm-hmm. you have a gift of music, which is English language with musical beats, globally universal. Some may argue that you creating content, not specifically for, but creating content that resonates better with Asian Americans and taking stances on issues that you believe to be true and right in your heart, however, alienates a certain part of the population. Um, How did you get to a place where you're comfortable wearing your brand as your heart, or I guess the other way, wearing what's right in your heart as your brand and being okay? with saying, this is my people, and this is who I want to speak to through my music, even if it means I'm leaving money on the table to an extent? That's so. That's such a good um, question, because I remember like a year ago, me and another uh, rapper friend of mine, who's also Asian, were having this discussion. And this is before I got into my like, no, I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna talk for us mode, right? And, and we were like, how do we, how do we make like Asian American centered things without our other fans being like, I don't want to fuck with this. You know, it's like, how do we do that? Right. And I think for me, um, my journey has always been kind of weird because I on- I feel like I've only recently tapped into like our community, like recently, because before I've, I've always had like a black fan base just because my music that I've, I've made has always been very influenced by African-American artists mm-hmm. and just the, the sound and people are like, Oh, you know, you don't, you don't sound Asian, blah, blah, blah. And just who I hang out with and just, just, you know, especially being in Atlanta, it's like, I'm one of the only Asians holding it down. So I think for me, once like COVID hit and like all these different like sociopolitical things started happening in terms of like xenophobia, uh, anti-Asian hate crimes, I just said, fuck it. Because for me, it's like, if you don't love me as a person and my people as, as, as you know, as people and, but you support me as an artist, but you get mad if I talk about art issues, you don't deserve me as, as an art. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, how could you say that you love me, but you don't, you don't, but you turn a blind eye to what's happening to us. So, I, so for me, it's not like I, I'm just like super like 
all I talk about is Asian stuff because I obviously still make a lot of popular, like, you know, popular sound and radio friendly music. Right. And I still make a right. lot of music for universal appeal, but there's, there's a lot of times I take that stance and I'm just like, this is, I'm going to speak for my people. And right. you know, and this is, this is more important than just clout. This is really something I want right. the world to hear. And I think uh, it's just really that um, just, just saying, fuck it, you know, because I think, I mean, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but I do feel like there's a lot of Asian celebrities that stay quiet because it's like, you know, they want to fuck up the bag. But for me, it's like, yo, like, what's the point of, of a bag if I can't even use that money to, to protect my own people? So it's really just a fucking, <laughs> just saying like, yo, no, it's, it's I, I can't true. stay. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's, it's 100. And, and look, this, we, we're not in any way trying to call people out, right? But, for sure, yeah. you know, I, I said this earlier, right? Like, how do you, what, what are you doing with the gift of influence? Because it is a gift, right? People are giving you attention. Um, some people call it time. Some people call it something else. But attention is the most finite resource that we all have. We're all going to die I at would, some point. I would argue right now, social currency is, is more valuable than ever because of the internet. Absolutely. Like, people will literally go to jail for this shit. Like people would do crimes on, you know, with, with their phones for yeah. 15 seconds of, of, of like YouTube or Instagram fame. So I think like what you're saying with, with uh, influence is like, yo, like if you have the ability to touch a lot of people and do the right thing, like, you know, as, as right. far as like speaking for your people, why not do it? Right. Uh, and I find I, that when I, I, think, I yeah. go ahead. No, no, it, it's just in this moment when like we all realize how messed up it is. Like if you're not going to pick a side now, what are you ever going to pick a side? Mm. Right. Like it's, it seems so to me at least, and I'm sure for you and for others, it's easy to stand for something right now because we're getting hurt. We're getting attacked. People are getting burned. Like it's insane. If you're not going to use those glaring signs of like, yo, this is the time to speak up. Like, do you really tr like the, what are you going to do when things are back to normal mm. when the stakes aren't as high? Right. That's, that's what I am curious about. Right. Like, and again, this is not calling people out. You do you, right? Like you, you it's yours, but people entrust you, whether you're a celebrity or an activist or a politician, we have the public has entrusted you either through their votes or their dollars or their attention to speak for them because they trust your opinion to an extent. And then, so what are we going to do with it? Right. Um, so it's, I, I think it's a awesome sort of progression and a journey that you've gone on to go and really speak to the community and speak up for the community, which I think is, uh, we don't certainly speak for everybody, but I think that we should take the opportunity to speak up for everybody. Right. Because mm, that's a good you've got a platform, right? Like, and especially for you, super unique, but you said your fan base previously was predominantly black from Atlanta. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say from Yeah, no no, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. But I was no, saying no, go ahead. Um it, it was like a cumulative, right? It wasn't even just from Atlanta, but it was like because I was doing so many shows in different cities like New York, Philadelphia, I was just mm. I was just pretty much, you know, accumulating different followers as, as I go, right? And 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 a lot of them weren't Asian, you know, but right. but now I could combine the Western and Asian, not, I don't want that. sounds terrible, but like non-Asian and Asian, Asian like right. worlds together. Cause I feel like, I mean, cause I've, I've never, I've never like strayed away from who I am. So it's like everything that I, I do has, has always been me. So it's not like the people that aren't Asian aren't going to fuck with it because it's like, they've always known that I repped hard for Asian people. 
Right. You know, it's not like I'm now putting on a costume and now, no, it's like, I've always spoke up, right. except not in the way that I am now, because before it's just like, oh, this is fucked up it's Facebook status. Now I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to make a piece. And if I, if I get backlash, <laughs> fuck you. It's like, no, I'm going to, you know, it's like, that's, you know, yeah. But this goes back to what we were talking about with school earlier, right? Like mm. you've built credibility through music, through your education that gives you the ability to say something, the same thing that many people can say, but people hear it differently, right? So, you know, and this is not to knock on people who don't go to school, but because you have the degree that stays with you forever, right? People who know where you went to school go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would somebody who has that experience now choose to go into music full time and then to speak on these social issues? It gives people pause. And so for folks that are listening, that are still like, you know, I got this, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, it was like, yo, I got this demo track that I want you to listen to. And now the 2020 version is, yo, I got the startup idea, right? Like, <laughs> the same, right. So many of the those, same right? formula, so but new, new toy, right? Yeah. Um, like this thing that I think is going to pop and like make me whatever. Mm-hmm. But why would people trust you, right? Like mm. what gives you the credibility? And it's either... You know, and, and this is like, you know, trust and authority, right? Like this is personal branding 101. Like mm. why would somebody listen to Alan Z if he's going to talk on social issues, right? Because you've put in the work for many years, you know, why would listen to, why would people listen to me or why would people listen to Jason or whoever that we use our platform and our most precious resource of time to speak on these things, right? Like it's because I feel that we have credibility and that people you know, it's not just anybody off the street. So when, when you're, so for the folks listening, if, if you're thinking about doing something creatively or entrepreneurially, like think about how people perceive you and your idea and if you are the right person to do it, right? So, you know, you don't have to, if not, all, not everybody can have 10 years of experience, right? I, I understand that. But what are you doing in other parts of your life? Or if you want the credibility five years from now, what can you be doing now to earn yourself the credibility and to earn the trust and respect of the people who you want in your corner to then go to bat for you at that point. Right. And, and so, um, I, I think the lived in experiences, the traditional credibility, um, and look like I, there are some points in my life and, and some perspectives where I think like traditional education is broken, right? Like that we're not teaching the right things. And what is the true, is there ROI in now what school costs like $70,000 a year? Like it's insane. However, I also don't agree with the people that are just like F college, right? Like just mm. start a business. Like, cause it's not, again, this isn't binary, right? Like it's mm. both and either. And like, Oh, Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard to start Facebook. Right. But then it's like, he went to Harvard. He was able to right. do it with his buddies in Harvard, you know, like, right. Right. Also, you know, technically Jewish, but privileged white dude, right? Like yeah, different circumstances. So like sure. we can't yeah. put ourselves in that position Right. So you can't, you know, like, so it's suffice it, like long story short, like if you want to do something, do it, but make sure that nobody can like cause doubt in you. Right. And believe in your shit so hard that you can speak your truth and people will listen in talking about that. You did a track with a friend of the show and former guest, Jason Chu, uh, not too long ago. It's gotten a lot of listens. Uh, most recently, you made a video over the weekend. It's gotten a lot of play. Um, it's called Asian American History. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, you made a video just as for Elijah McClain and, and so on and so forth. And, and you've gone deep into 
expressing your personal beliefs, again, that might be polarizing, but you believe it's hard in your heart. Um, tell me about that process. What, what made you actually turn on the camera and go, this is my legacy, press the mm -hmm. red button. I don't care what the feedback is. I think uh, we could probably trace that back to April or May. So I think when I did my Black and Asian Unity piece, which is where like a lot of people heard of me from, because that went like mm. super viral. And um, I, it was funny because when that, like that video was made out of like so much like, meant like just frustration and just like me in a really bad place. Because if you remember, like Asian people were getting like hit and, you know, just like, you know, like there was so much like, you know, hate towards us from every single group not just white people not black people just everyone that wasn't asian it's like if you're asian you're a target and then and for me it was like i was so sick of seeing like everyone coming at us and just and even just people being like you know you you, you know you know you know people person of color all this stuff and i'm just like <laughs> yo like and i so I, I called my friend uh wise who like I, i've always done skits with like you know we're, like we're just buddies and we're, i was just talking to him about like how divisive the road is and, and how and he was just saying, yo, it's fucked up how people are treating you guys. And so I was like, man, I just, and I, I literally, this was like early in the morning. I was like, yo, dude, what if we just made a video just like me, me and you just rapping about just unity? And then he was like, all right. <laughs> and literally the next day, we're just like, hey, you want to you write it? And so we just, I called him, we spent like 30 minutes on it. I was like, want to put it out? All right. And then, and then it just, it kind of just went, you know, the way it did. And that for me sparked something. I was like, man, people, maybe people are willing to listen to something like this. Because if you, if you let the internet tell it, it's like everyone hates each other. Everyone should be divided. You know, every, all men, one, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, every man for himself. But then you mm -hmm. look at the feedback and it's like, there's Asian people, there's black people saying, yo, we, we need more of this. We need more conversations. Because I've always said Asian Americans need to speak up, not speak up, but like we need to have serious dialogue with the other minorities, like Latino communities, uh, the black communities, natives, because I feel like we've been left out of that conversation for so long. Yeah. So I think I was like, yo, let me do my part and just put myself out there. And I knew it was going to get backlash. But at the same time, I, that was, it was a calculated risk. I'm like, that the rewards are going to be bigger than the, the risk, right? And I was right. And so once I did that, um, and then like, you know, the, the protests happened and I was like, okay, I want to I do something to honor, you know, George Floyd and the other victims. So I made the Asians for Black Lives piece. And that was super cool because I rapped over um, the Dead Prez hip hop beat. And Stick from Dead Press heard it, and he like he hit me up. You know, he followed me, and we, we had a wow. big chat. And he was like, "Yo, I really like the sentiment. I like the, um, the message of solidarity." And so we, we've been keeping in touch ever, ever since. So it's just like having him watch me. It's just like what you know. Just so I'm like, all right, I'm doing something <laughs> right. And then uh, more recently, like we we're talking about the Asian American piece. Um, that man, that that was something I, I had in just in, in like the chamber for so long, but I felt like mm. I didn't I didn't want to do it at the wrong time. When, when everything was going on with, with a different community, right? So I was just right. like, ah, well, when can I do it? And finally, the last straw was the was the Asian grandmother who got burned. I was like, All right, this is a good time for yeah. people to hear something because I'm so sick of yes. people acting as if when we get when we get like um, attacked, it's it's normal or like, oh, you guys know, well, uh, you know, welcome to being you know a minority. It's like, no, bitch, like we've been going through this for so long. So I think me being someone who who knows about our extensive history. I wanted to cram all those, that knowledge into like 60 seconds and then give it to the <laughs> world, right? And it, for some reason, I'm just so happy that it, it did well because on TikTok right now, it's like, like I posted it yesterday and it's like it has over 20,000 views already on TikTok. Whoa, People are sharing it like cool. crazy. And on, I think Facebook is about to hit 20,000. And it just, yes. and, and Instagram, a yeah. lot of people are sharing. It's like, 
I'm just so thankful because I, I, I've always felt like if, if I do something like, you know, talk about art issues, people will gaslight us. And, but people were willing to listen. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right, you know. What's the coolest or most moving private message you've gotten after you've created these videos? Um, I think the, uh, there's definitely a lot of people, people thanking me and stuff. Right. And, and um, just people saying that, like, I, I've inspired them and, and that, like, they look up to me. I think those are like the best messages. But uh, I don't know. I think people are pretty vocal now. So like, they're just leaving in the comments. I'm trying to think of a private oh, message. But, like I'd say in the comments, they're definitely just like, like, even, OK, TikTok has this, has this thing where, like, if kids really like fuck with you they'll like they'll boost you right and they'll be like i'm just yeah. coming in so you blow up so for me that's like super touching i'm just like you're helping me more than i'm you know i don't even have to share well, but they get the system right they understand like, how it works these gen z kids are smarter than we ever were you know because like because like people like around like the millennial age they're just like they'll message you like yo bro that was pretty good but then these kids are just like no i want to see you succeed i'm just commenting just so that this blows up commenting like, and, and then so i think that's really cool you know just like you said pimping the system super cool Dude, I totally resonate because I, I I just laughed because I I get text messages. I mean, old school, right? Like, so text messages of friends be like, "Yo, I I like this episode," and I was like, "Well, shit, like, make it public, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, do something public. You, you understand how the algorithm works, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, leave a review on Apple, <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. you know, like link it and like put it on your Instagram. I don't know, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think while I appreciate all the private messages and, um, you know, it's a lesson to the creators out there, too. Like, not everything you see on Instagram is the whole story. Right. So um, a lot of conversations happen in the DMs, um, especially some of the more, uh, you know, private ones that are just like, you know, we get certain uh, we got some like crazy emails the last few weeks on just like I had no idea that it would have that kind of impact on people. Right. You hope that you do. As, as creators, right? Like you, you think that the work that you're putting in really will make a, a, a unique and, uh, you know, pretty cool impression on people. Um, but create anyway, right? Um, pick a side, create content that's true in your heart. And um, I'm not surprised that we get some of these messages. And I'm sure you're not surprised that you get some of these comments. But it's like surreal every single time they come, right? Because it's holy crap. And you're on every platform, right? Like you hustle your face off, um, which is something I want to talk about next, right? Like you, you, you self-manage. Um, you're on uh, eight platforms, last count. Um, you have to be because I think you understand that you are your own best PR person. You have to be your own best marketing person. And most importantly, you have to be your best salesperson, mm. right? Like, you have because if nobody cares about you, right? Yep. Nobody yep. cares about you as much as you care about yourself. Not your mom, not your kids, not your manager, nobody. And and so if this is the life that you've chosen and you making an impact in the world rest on more people hearing your stuff, right? Like you, you gotta hustle, right? And I think um, I mean, for one, you you and I belong to a number of different Facebook groups together. <laughs> and when when your latest music video, you know, uh fwm dropped like i saw it everywhere and i was like oh this is cool right but it's also you know people especially asian americans we, we get this like you know uh meritocracy bullshit right like stuff that our, our, our parents fed us right like mm. if you work hard people will recognize it and you're like not anymore right mm-hmm. you have to work hard and figure out a way and provide an easy way for people to see it mm-hmm. um 
you know, that was Field of Dreams bullshit. You know, if you build it, they will come. No, they That's won't. Bullshit. You, bullshit. Right. You you gotta you gotta charter buses and you know <laughs> you you gotta you gotta you gotta charter buses. You gotta do fee, you know you freeway gotta build signs. It and then you give gotta it to them individually. And right. Like, be like, hey, this is right. what I'm working on. Yeah. Right. And and you gotta I don't know live stream from whatever it takes. Whatever right? it because takes. Yep. Nobody owes you anything. Yep. And you and you are no. You're not above anything. If you are in your business for yourself, whether through music or through anything, like you have to, have to, have to, have to put your ego aside and like be humble and like be grateful for everything. And and so this is why I was so excited to have you because this is the part that I wanted to get the most lessons out of you from, okay. right? Like how did you come to this point of you self-managing and you owning the strategy, the creative piece? And then, you know, the execution, but also just rocking it on the management of the social side, right? Like, um, and, you know, it's Alan Z music across every, like, known platform, right? I'm going to read your list so I don't get okay. I don't <laughs> you YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, IMDb, SoundCloud, right? Like, and in those things are multiple channels too, right? Like let's talk about Facebook. You have your personal page, you have your brand page, and then the brand page also links to a lot of the community pages that we, you know, get so much value out of. Like one, how do you manage all that strategically? And on the slow days, when you don't get the love, when you don't get the the metrics, and as much mm -hmm. as we know that's not indicative of our success, they still impact our emotion because we're human mm -hmm. beings. How do you rebound from those tough days when the thing that you're like, this is, I put so much work into this mm. and yet the reception isn't as, as welcoming as I had hoped for. Tell us some about that stuff. Yeah. There's, there's like, I heard like three different questions. So I'm going to try to like, all, give me all of it. All give, right. give the audience all the lessons. All right. So I'm going to try to go from the beginning where, where I guess I started to self-manage. And then uh, if I forget, just remind me of the, the, the last yeah. part. Cause I do want to answer that. But the first part I would say is it was, it was quite, it was a journey, man, because when I first started out, like um, in college, like professionally or whatever, I was just so hungry and, and very naive. And I was just going to different like, you know, management and, and it never worked out because I feel like it was very hard for like non-Asian people to understand where we come from. Mm. They'll, they'll try to sell you like really stupid ideas, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm sure like you talk to any Asian artists who has, have been managed by non-Asian people, they'll tell you the same thing. And so I just was, I was like, well, what am I doing wrong? What? And, and then, you know, and these are like reputable people in the industry. There's like people with, with plaques and whatever. So I believe that, that pipe dream. It was just like, oh yeah, they'll put me on. But it's like, they kept hesitating. They're just like, oh, I don't know what to do with you. I mean, you're Asian. What do, how do we, oh, maybe we just, you know, just go back to like China or Korea, or maybe we'll just, we'll figure out how to, or maybe we should hide your face. Maybe like all these stupid ideas that they would never Ooh. say to a black person or a white person. And I think at some point I was just like, man, fuck all you guys. I didn't say it like, like that. We're still cool. <laughs> but like in my head, I'm like, fuck you. Right. Because I'm just like, I'm not going to let you treat, treat me like I'm lesser. So I have a, my best friend, um, his name's Taj. He helped me out a lot with my personal branding because he he was the one who encouraged me. I was just like, yo, man, you don't need these people. It's like, yo, do you? This is the age of the internet. We are internet kids. Utilize what these dinosaurs don't know. And so that was the day that um, I just, I don't know. I think what happened was I started making very just quirky, funny Facebook statuses and just get interacting with the people that were interacting with me. And then they didn't even know I was an artist. I just made stupid comments and statuses, but it made, it showed my personality. And once I did that, I was like, all right, I'm going to 
start doing covers, even though I hated doing covers, but I'm gonna put it on YouTube so that people of different uh, like music uh, interests will, will, will find me. And then, um, and then like uh, I, I did like a bunch of K-pop covers, even though I cringe at them now. But like it led me to do a lot of K-pop uh, like events, and I'm so thankful for that. Mm. You know, I'm so grateful because that opened me up to to that audience. And so, with all this um, newfound information of, of like how to how to grow my brand, I started to pick up different lessons. Like, okay, how do I stay myself, but also um, stay on brand? How do I, uh, you know, um, grow different accounts if I'm starting from zero? What what is the, what is the? How do I uh, leverage my metrics to this and that? Who do I need to connect with to get bigger? Who do I need to connect with to you know whatever, right? And I think it was just all like you know trial and error. And um, and I'm just so thankful that like I didn't give up, even though those guys gave up on me, right? Yeah, I know it just sounds like I'm just shitting on them, but like no, it was, no, no, it was it's good. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, it, it, it was good. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. It was good that I took those L's with them because it showed me that I really didn't need nobody holding my hand. You know, it's like I, I'm sure down the line. I'm going to have really cool industry people that I'm going to fuck with. Because even now, I have a, a ton of industry uh, connects that are different from how those other guys treat me. Because now they see the levers, they see the, the money involved, the metrics. So now it's it's not yeah. a position of how do we mold this guy. Now it's like, how do we make money together? So I think for me, it's like, it's learning how to be your own man and, and, and be a, a force to be reckoned with by yourself, mm. first and foremost. And, and you know, that... It's funny because like like we we talked about before with the with the um, business side is like dude I have to do administrative work, my own booking like marketing promotion I got to contact people that you know you know what I mean like all these different things that you would hire someone for I'm doing it all myself, I'm, I'd say I'm doing a pretty good job right and um to answer your question about like the days where it's slow I think those are the days where I'm I get the most productive because it's like let's say if like the the video that went viral or whatever stops going stop spreading i'm like all right i'm it's time for me to do something new because now i don't have to focus on the love which is good because now i can just turn off my phone and just you know write i can record i can contact people that i need to contact for for different projects so that's a that's a it's a i don't want to say it's a good thing because no one like you said no one wants to feel like oh man the world doesn't care about me but but you utilize that that uh that alone time to your advantage you know all right that's awesome man i, I think it's you know we we've it's easy to focus on the metrics because um, mm-hmm. everything that we produce and, and distribute is digital. Um, but at the same time, it's there's going to be a kid somewhere that watches it and it changes their life, mm. right? Or or it reaches somebody um, who's never thought about these race issues and social issues the way that you present them, right? You doing it in your own way, leveraging your musical talent will have the same message resonate very differently from hearing it on a podcast or hearing it from a newscaster, right? Or hearing it from a Facebook post. And and so I think, you know, it's the abundance mindset that I think really helps propel all of us creators to do as much as we can in the mel- in the modes that we believe is the most uh, opportunistic, but also the most potential. Mm-hmm. Because if I believed that there was already enough Asian podcasts and they said, well, they already got that market covered, right? Or maybe you're like, you know, because when people were, you said, comparing you to Jin, Jin, it was like, all right, you know, the, the hip hop has room for one Chinese guy. He and, said that actually. You know, yeah, the dead ass told me I cannot be a successful rapper because Jin tried and he failed. 
said that to and, my face, and, bro. It's and and why we got a why we got right. a affirmative action or live, man, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like there's there's room for more, right? It's not, this is not the Highlander. We can we can I honestly, like it's, yeah. it just grow. It's I mean, we can think of any analogy, right? Yeah, like yeah. build a bigger table, build a bigger house. You know, just grow the goddamn pie, and it's mm. we can all eat. And it's funny because, relatively speaking, we're like almost six percent of American population, right? Mm. Asian Americans, sixty percent of the world, mm. like literally. You know, Asian people are about two thirds of the planet, and so even if you take a very conservative amount of those people who understand English well enough to understand your music, don't you want that market? Yeah, like right. you're really focused on like the fact that there's two Chinese dudes who can rap good. Like, <laughs> like you know, it doesn't make any sense, right? So it's and and like you said, it's cool that they think that. So either and at that point, it it. it provides you with a couple different options, right? Like go your own path or go down the harder path of trying to educate and bring them along. But right. eventually they'll come around and see that, right? Like, yep. mm-hmm. and, and and so this is why, you know, um, people are like, yo, like why, why are you just doing like Asian American podcast, Asian American content? And I was like, mm. I think you have it misunderstood. Anybody who understands English that resonates with the Asian experience is actually my audience. Mm-hmm. And that includes people from all spectrums, all walks of life, all religions, all genders, all races. I just happen to s- tell our stories because we need to do more of it, right? So um, I've had, you know, I it's true, but it's when I thought of the name Asian Americans, I was like, okay, as a Korean American dude, this is me like making it more inclusive. And then very early on, somebody is like, yo. I'm a Chinese Canadian person. Can I come on your show? And I was like, hell yeah. Right. Like, and then we interviewed the, you know, a couple of founders of subtle Asian traits who are Chinese Australian folks. Mm. And you know, they're like, and I was like, dude, like, I don't want this to be limiting at the same time. I'm not going to change the name of my show, but like, it's just the lived in experience of people who've always felt other people who've had to deal with dual identities, people who've, you know, um, lived in, had to live in, in, in both worlds. So, um, I, I think what you're doing is is super super cool, um, and you know it's been a long journey for you to get to a point, and and from the very short time that I've known you and and you know seen your videos and stuff, the word authenticity is the th- word that always comes to mind. Where I don't want to downplay the stuff that you built your career on in the earlier years. But I think through speaking on the things that are true in your heart and now has been validated by the reaction from the community, you've hit on the authentic voice that I think you were meant to use the platform to spread the good word, right? And For sure. that work is never done, right? And yep. um, it's a sad realization that activism work and making sure that we live in an equitable and inclusive world is never done. But kind of sad, right? We're going to have to deal with more of it, right? And and so um man, keep keep on doing what you're doing. Um it is awesome um to to see you um just go all in on this. And um again, if you're if you're a young person out there thinking about following in his steps, just you know, observe, right? Study Alan what he's doing. Um there's a lot of other friends that are in the same boat. Um, 
study not only what they're saying, but also observe what they are doing. And you can learn a lot simply by just observing. And, and so you don't have to make the same mistakes. Um, but number one thing is you got to turn on the microphone and say something, right? You have to create um, before you get to any of the other stuff, right? Like you have to have enough confidence or just that moment of boldness to be like, fuck it, I'm going to record something or whether it's a video or write something. So um, this has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, super, super fun and impactful. And just, I, I feel like if um, there's some folks who, who've been on the fence about create, you know, starting their own creative journey that you've shared with a lot, share with them a lot of just practical information to help them either get off their ass or refine their strategy. Um, and as you mentioned, and as we talked about earlier, if you're an Asian American person out there with any sort of platform, Consider speaking from your heart. You're going to piss off somebody one way or the other. Your silence will piss somebody off. Mm. Your words will piss somebody off. Which side of the aisle do you want to be on? You're not, you're not, you know, people are upset at you. You ain't saying shit, right? And if you do say something, people are still going to be upset. But the people who are going to be upset are very different looking. Mm. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll vote very differently. This, this is the thing, though. I think uh, China Mac actually said something uh, in the rally that uh, that kind of struck with me. Um, shout out to him and Lex, who, uh, who I know who organized it with him. Um, he, he said, every other race has made the system uncomfortable except us. It's our turn to make them uncomfortable. And I think with, with us, our culture is, you know, just being kind of more, um, you know, well-mannered, Confucianism, all that stuff. It's like that goes exactly against what everything our parents taught us. Don't cause trouble. You've seen that in every Bruce Lee movie, just, oh, do not cause trouble. Like, but yo, like it's our time to, to cause trouble. Not to, not in the sense of like breaking the law because I don't want no, no one to go to jail, but in a sense of like making them aware that like if something doesn't sit right with us or if the policy yeah. doesn't make sense or if injustice happens, like, no, we're going to fight that. I think that's yeah. really important. And yeah, maybe you're going to piss someone off, but you're gonna, like you said, you're going to piss someone off by not saying anything because we're going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Say something. So either we're going to get mad at you or the racist people are going to get mad at you. You know, hey. Right. And and, and even I mean, you, you spoke about breaking the law, but may, maybe don't break the law, but think about what would drive somebody to want to break the law to fight for something that they fundamentally believe in, right? Mm. Like how bad is the system? And this is empathy, right? Like people are like, oh, these people are looting, burning, stuff. Do you know how angry you have to be to start burning shit down? Like to go from not doing anything to like posting on social media to showing up to rallies, mm. right? And then to like get arrested. Like that progression of like the anger and like you feeling so helpless that this is the only expression that I feel like people will finally listen. Mm. Like think about that and, and think about the privilege that people that look like me and you live with where we don't have to feel that, right? Like, if you've been oppressed in this country for so long that the only way that you feel like your voice can be heard is through destruction or through something so radical, that gives us a lot of pause. Again, I'm on the same boat with you. You know, be careful. Don't go burn, you know, stuff down, right? Don't hurt people. But let's think about the, emo like, instead of getting mad at the actual action, let's focus for a little bit or, you know, uh, pause and just reflect on why. What leads mm. to that? And what can we do now so that the next time, 20 years from now, whenever it may be, that nobody feels that way, right? Mm. And I think that's the goal, right? Um, and, and so this has been such an amazing... 
I'm so excited. I was excited coming into this. I'm, I'm so pumped up coming out of this. Um, I don't know when we're going to listen to this, but we're like 90 days away from the election. Let's not fuck it up, guys. You know, uh, normally it's, I don't care who you vote for, <laughs> register to vote, but channel your anger and your frustrations and your passions at the polling booth. Um, local elections matter wherever sure. you are. Um, I don't think COVID's going to go away in 90 days. Figure out your voting plan, you know, uh, fill out your mail-ins, get your absentee, whatever it is, get your people on board. Um, cause yeah, it's going to impact us directly. And this is no longer about, uh, indirect impact on the Asian American community. There's a strict straight line between who's in that office and how we live our daily life. So, um, you know, it's thanks to people like you and the creative work that you're doing to bring other people along to activate even the youth voice. Um, you're big on TikTok, you're big on IG, where people who might be voting for the first time, we need to get them off their asses to vote and participate in the process. Um, Alan, man, this has been so much fun. Um, I, I want you to come back and, and share with us, you know, as, as you mature and grow. Uh, in your career, um, don't ever get too big, so that you know other people respond to you and be like, "Yo, he's too busy." Um, <laughs> no, I'm, know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna definitely come back, man. Definitely come back. <laughs> um, and and so really, really grateful for everything that you're doing. And and we want to end this show the same way that we end all of our shows, which is in the form of a letter to the Asian American community. Um, the name of the show was an inspiration to me because I don't think I didn't think that we were having enough conversations amongst each other, to each other, from each other. Um, about the things that we want to share, messages of hope and inspiration and celebration. And, and so if you could help us finish out the show and finish the letter, Dear Asian Americans. I want every Asian American person to feel pride and love for their culture, their family, their communities. I want you to not be afraid to speak up because this is a free country and let's utilize our rights to be Americans and to be vocal about what bothers us what makes us human, what makes us feel like someone's taken away our rights. And I want us to not ever let anyone feel like they have the right to speak for us. It's our turn to control our narrative. It's our turn to learn our history so no one can shit on us about who we're supposed to be. And it's our turn to basically be, be ourselves and not let anyone dictate who we are in this, in this racist structure. I think it's time for Asian Americans to learn our roots more than ever, especially in this racial climate where we're now in the conversation. So let's do it. <laughs> thank you, Alan. And, and for those of you listening, for those of you watching, thank you for investing a little bit of your most precious time uh, with us, with, with Alan and me, as, as we've uh, shared his story, his, his lessons in, in music and business. And we hope that we've inspired you just an iota. Uh, to take action, whether it is to create your own art or to uh, get involved in, in the process. Um, again, we can find Alan across all the platforms at Alan Z Music. It's uh, A to Z, so he'll cover everything for you. Um, and I think everything except IMDb is Alan Z Music. Yep. And on IMDb, it's just Alan Z. So uh, we'll have all the links to that in the show notes if you're listening to us on a podcast platform somewhere. Um, it'll be in the show notes too, or if you're watching or if you're clicking us through 
on Facebook or wherever you might be listening or on the web. Um, subscribe to his music on Spotify. Um, that helps pay the bills. Um, share his videos if you if you uh, resonate with it. Share it with some folks. Um, we're going to play some of his music as we exit the show later. Um, and, and so support him. Um, we always talk about there's a part of the community that always gets frustrated that we don't have enough representation. One way to solve it is to play our people's stuff every chance we get, leveraging the platforms that we've built. So uh, one of the things that I committed to doing when I started the Asian Americans was um, every dollar that goes out of here, every business that we feature, every song that we promote, everything to the best of our ability, I wanted to stay within our ecosystem. Because if we ain't supporting each other, how can we expect somebody else to, right? Support starts at home and support starts with us. So um, check out Alan Z Music. Continue rocking it. I, I wish you all the health and safety, man. It's it's a, you know, it, it's a challenging time. Um, and I know, I know you've been staying home for, for health reasons. So, um, and, and you're really um, a testament that you can change the world and change lives uh, sitting on your couch making music, <laughs> which is great. Um, who, who knew, you know, um, you could, you could be a couch hero. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing, Alan. Please be well, uh, please stay safe, um, and, and continue creating brother. Uh, really appreciate what you do. And, and thank you for making time for us today. No doubt. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. So excited to talk to Alan. So inspired by our conversation to go and speak our minds and to really speak from our heart, because like we said, you're going to evoke an emotion regardless of you, whether it's through your silence or your speech. And we'd rather have it be through our speech and to speak up for people who need to be spoken up for. Again, uh, look out for Alan across all your social channels. Alan Z Music is where you can find him. Listen to his music. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Music where you can. And also do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, find us, just search Dear Asian Americans. Follow us along on the socials as well, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and even Twitter. So search Dear Asian Americans, tag us wherever you can, happy to engage with you, tag us in your photos, tag us in your stories. If this story resonated with you, uh, screenshot whatever you're listening to, share our post about Alan's episode, and we want to make sure that more people can learn about his story and the stories that we share here on Dear Asian Americans. If you want to come and join us on the show, uh, the links that can be found on the website as well. And I encourage you to uh, say hello. I can just drop us a note through the DM or send me an email, hello at DearAsianAmericans.com. And just share with us your feedback about the show, any questions that you may have, or nominate yourself or somebody you know to come be a guest on the show. Again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us on the show. Uh, do check out our new website, DearAsianAmericans.com. If you feel compelled and if you'd like to help us on this journey, I humbly ask you to join us as a patron and you can visit patreon.com slash DearAsianAmericans to see how you can help out. And we're going to do some really cool and fun, special, unique things for our patrons in the coming weeks. As we sign off on episode 67, I wish you all the happiness, health, and safety in the world. And until we can see each other and hang out together again, please be well. I'll see you on Friday for what is going to be a one-of-a-kind episode featuring my first family member here on The Asian Americans. This is Jerry Wan, your host, signing off. Thanks for listening.
And as promised, here's Alan Z's viral track, Asian American History. Liberation for them on a militant tip. No exclusion that could ever make this immigrant dip. How you anti-Asian when it was a Chinese American man that paved the way for birthright citizenship? Wow. Look how uncomfortable my heritage to made them. The first sex symbol in America was Asian. Says so high a cow turned Caucasian women now. Alan Z a mix of him, Bruce Lee, and Kenny Styles. You thinking COVID 19s a one-off fluke? Forget touring camps with nowhere to run off to. Traces of Japanese blood got you. Locked in a cage, separated families over that one drop root. Listen. I'm more yellow pearl than yellow pebble. They're running propaganda while withholding the truth. Enlisting in the white man's war to kill our own. And he still call those Asian American soldiers groups. But even when the US loses the Vietnam, they make films acting like they're the heroes like they had won. They tell you about bombing civilians in Okinawa. But nothing, I'm Malcolm X and Yuri Kochiyama. Intentional or racial, while you heard of Cesar Chavez. But not the first Delano strike the Filipino started. Wow. Used to be on display, was well in the cell. If we omit our history, we gotta tell it ourselves. Word of Vincent Chin. 